Our guest this evening is Ade, um, also known as Eric Neff. Is that my, am I saying that right? Because I never say your yeah. name, actually, Eric right. Neff. You know, it's just yeah. Ade. Um, yeah. And uh, so thank you for coming, actually, under short notice as well. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. So I think folks that have been listening uh, pretty much know that I'm really inviting a lot of the bicyclists that I have engaged with over these past 10 years now uh, that are still rolling strong, that have gone from grassroots uh, bicyclists and just recreational bicyclists to bike shop owners, um, to advocates, um, to uh, other types of policy positions and all on a bike. Uh, so really the purpose of this series is really to tap into and hear the narratives of Black lives in this time in terms of um, kind of where the bike has taken you and kind of how you even came in, you know, to this conversation and activity of riding a bike. So I, I like to start off by, you know, I know you've told me your stories in terms of just being born and, and, and raised in Boston and, and making your way here to LA. And I wanted you to just share, you know, with others kind of where you came from and, and, and then kind of how you came into LA. Yeah, all right. So um, I, day, I was born and raised in Haiti, um, left Haiti when I was 10 years old. I, I still remember riding bikes in Haiti, right? Wow. Um, and um, I came to the States and lived in Boston. So I grew up in Boston. I went to high school in Boston. Um, and I never had a, a, a car actually in Boston. My older sister had a car when she was of age and my father had a car. So we had two cars in the house by the time I was able to drive. But um, most of my life though, I, I rode a bike all around Boston and I took public transportation. And when I needed a car, I borrowed my, either my sister's car or my father's car, but I never owned a car until I moved to LA. And I moved to LA in the late 80s. So like uh, 87, 88, I, I moved to LA. Okay. And uh, I actually came out here for a visit on a two week vacation. It was winter time in Boston. Oh, okay. And I'm on the beach playing volleyball in the winter. <laughs> and that was exactly. enough for me. I was like, well, I, th there's no need for me to go back <laughs> to Boston. <laughs> right, this right. Is like, this is there's good. gotta be some changes here, yeah. Yo, man. <laughs> shoveling snow and all the stuff that you have to do in the wintertime in Boston just to actually leave your house is insane. I felt kind of bad about leaving my father to, to all that, but I, I just needed to get out for my own sanity. Um, exactly. But I think it, it was just my um, my path and my destiny, I guess, to, to, to be out here. And I've been here since. I go back often um, to visit and be with my family, but um, LA is, is, is this place that I'm like that I'm stuck at at least right. at the moment right now right and right. um so I and I remember riding a bike I used to live across the street from Paramount Studios um is it 80s. Paramount and off of uh is that Melrose or Gower uh, yes or is it exactly yeah. Okay. okay yeah like just in that area and I, I hung out in Venice Beach all the time so I would literally ride a bike from Melrose all the way to Santa Monica and, and wow. Venice Beach. That's and I would a do that seven, That was like seven times a week, but it was just like you couldn't take your bus on the, you, you couldn't take the bus and put your bike on back then, right? So okay. either you were um, riding it or you were just bussing it, right? It wasn't right, right. Uh, the two options. And so, and I, and I did that for a while. And then, you know, of course, you get into the point where like you're in LA, people are like, you don't have a car you need to have a car because that's the narrative right if you're in LA exactly. you need to have a car especially right? in the it's 80s in the 80s you know 80s and yeah. 90s yeah in 80s and 90s <laughs> yeah. that was a yeah. thing you needed to have a car and so of course I got a couple of hoop tees you know we call them you know <laughs> sometimes they break down and just like leave them where they was and just <laughs> went and got another car you know okay. Um, okay. but yeah so I, I remember doing that trek all the time and Several times a week, as soon as I got into Beverly Hills, you know, I'd be pulled over because I, I fit the description of something that happened. You oh. know, in, in any number of reasons. It was just like, it, just, it, it, it was just part of the commute, really. 
And, um, you know, so you get a car, then not a car, and then back on the bus and the train and public transportation. And being from Boston, which has one of the oldest public transportation systems in the country, uh, it's it, it was a shock not to have a subway system right. uh, train station in LA, as big as this city was. And um, so that was a trip. And then, you know, of course, I fell in, in, into it with it like everybody else. And, you know, I got a car. Um, then when I got back on a bike was when I went to, I, I enrolled in Antioch and I was getting a master's in ur- urban sustainability. And for that process, I knew I wanted to do it full time because I couldn't get a job. I wasn't getting a job. And I had already... Um, shut down one of the businesses I had. I had a martial arts studio and I taught capoeira and that was shut down and, you know, income was kind of low and I just needed to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I figured going back to school would give me that okay. space, you know? Um, but so in that, I had a car that I had just gotten into an accident as I was about to start school and it wasn't drivable. I didn't have enough money to fix it. I couldn't move it off of the street. So I was getting tickets when I did move it from one side to the other. And I was getting tickets because the registration was expired. It was just like enough already. And I'm still paying the car note. I'm still paying the insurance. It's just like, stop, enough. So I got rid of the car and uh, I got a bike and made the decision that because I was in a, a program and school wasn't too far from me that I didn't have to do anything else, just home and school until I got this process done. Um, and, and, and so that's what I did. And that's what got me back on a bike and got me back on a bike seriously. And as you know, you're, you're a graduate of any art. Mm-hmm. Social justice is a very big part of the curriculum. And so, you know, being on a bike, being in those classes, you know, um, talking about social justice. And it was just like, it became very glaring, the lack of um, infrastructure that was in South LA that I was dealing, I was writing in this stuff every day. Correct. And, so were um, you still over at the, by Paramount when this was happening or did you move no, to another location? No, I moved to another location. By this time mm-hmm. I was over by um, the Crenshaw Baldwin Hills Mall right behind there. So I was on West Boulevard in Santa, uh, Santa Rosalia. I got you, okay. Yeah, and and so the commute wasn't too bad, but those hills going up Starker, going up- Oh, serious. Up, yo, those yes. hills are serious. And I was yeah. I had to do that like every day. <laughs> it wow. was insane. Wow, that's like it training, just like pre-training for, you know, some <laughs> yeah. of these distance rides or the Ironman or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> With yeah, the riding was, you were doing, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was pretty treacherous. Um, and yeah. I, you know, you, and then, you know, I wasn't thinking about like bikes, quality of bikes. And I just had, a, you know, growing up, you got a bike, you know, but I do remember like uh, as a teenager, we used to fix bikes and repaint them and, you know, like put them together and stuff Correct. like that. But it wasn't a career goal. It was just like, I was back on a bike just because it was the most convenient and, uh, economical thing to do and then you know I was like yo you know and I'm doing my part for the environment all that kind of stuff it's all good um well you know it really makes me think also when you're saying this um I mean you really kind of carried when you came to LA you really brought kind of a practice you were already doing that you rode in Haiti you were riding in um in Boston. Boston and by the way uh, there's actually a report that just came out uh, by Black Women for Wellness. Actually, I'm not sure exactly when they posted it, um, but I'm sure it's recently um, with all the, um, you know, the peaceful protesting and mm-hmm. yet the violence that's happening to our Black and Brown lives um, on bikes, actually using, and in some cases, yeah. the bike has been used as a weapon by uh, our police, um, but also it, those that are on bikes that are peacefully riding or just part of the protest are being attacked. So, um, right. but they actually have on one of their first couple first slides that um, policing in itself started in Boston. So to that know right? that, yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to talk to Ade about this because basically in um, 
1636 is when actually it's the history of policing. So basically that's oh. when it started in Boston in 1636, but they called them night watch. And, uh, and, wow. and the night watch um, pretty much based on their research um, really didn't do much, you know, it was in mm -hmm. um, basically it's, they, they kind of expanded to other colonies, but it did start there. And then basically in 1704, is when the slave patrol happened. So, you know, just to kind of know that it came from Boston and then today, you know, where we, which we'll go further into this conversation um, mm -hmm. a bit later, but I just wanted to, you know, to share that with you because I didn't know if you knew that, you know, with the I work. I, I didn't know that. Boston is good for a lot of firsts. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have problems there in terms of um, enforcement as a kid? I mean, is it was it like LA is today since that's where it all started? <laughs> so you, you, you know, here's the funny thing. I know of a lot of stories about mm -hmm. uh, black and brown folks in Boston dealing with the police. Mm -hmm. Personally, I didn't have any of those. I don't have any of those stories in Boston. Interestingly enough, I have them for yes, LA. I know you do, but yeah. I don't have them for Boston. And people tell me, I'm like, as a oh, kid, was, as a yeah. kid, yeah, as, and as a teenager. All the crazy stuff I did as a teenager was in Boston. It wasn't in L.A. By the time I got to L.A., I was mellowed out. I had right. done everything already. Right, right. <laughs> That's you crazy. Know? Yeah. And did you yeah. go like at all kind of different parts of Boston or did you kind of stay in one was, area that your parents told you don't, you know, go no. beyond these boundaries yeah. or. Yeah. Yeah, I was everywhere in Boston. The oh. only place I didn't go in Boston was South Boston, because like as a black guy, South Boston, you did not go because there was going to be trouble. Okay. So I never went. You know, I, I never had any interest to go to South Boston, but I was in Chinatown. I was in Little Italy. I was in, um, up, I was all over Boston. So you, know? you walked, I, you biked, you took plant, public transit. You uh, did all of yeah. this in all these different uh, communities in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And never had yeah. any problems. No. As a, not, as a young black man. As a young black man, not yeah. with the not with the police, right? Um, and but I really feel like I was really protected back then too. It's like um, you know, in a sense. Um, but yeah, but I remember uh, a lot of guys that I knew uh, went to school with had had those issues. You know, um, my school bus yeah. um, used to have a police escort because the, the school was so bad. Oh. Oh my God. Okay. You know? um, yeah, Boston English sign, the 80s was no joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so for me, I have friends and folks that I know about all the stories. And I remember when um, there, the, the, there was a guy that killed his wife mm -hmm. and he had blamed it on a black guy. And so I was actually in LA when that happened, but I had to, I happened to be in Boston during that time, okay, right, and um, the whole you could feel the tension in the city because I like, can imagine if if you were black and you was like five nine, a hundred yes. something pounds, correct, you, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't go out. Whoa, that's what you know, when was this that day? When what like is, about what year? This is like a, this is in the nineties. This is in like the 90s. Uh, yeah, this is in the nineties. Um, you know, and we've had several of those instances where like, um, something happens, you know, somebody kills, you know, a white person would kill their wife or somebody and just like blame it on a black guy. And, right. um, you know, so the whole city of uh, the whole police department is going to everybody and just like stressing them out. You know, right. so I, I remember the tension in the city around that time. But you but, didn't yeah. have to experience that as a young teen um and because no. you said you moved to boston when you were 10 so actually you right. were like that was still part elementary school then middle yeah. school then middle teen. school and, and yeah, so you and didn't then, have that trauma placed on no. you that a lot of our young so when we try to talk to young boys which i know you're doing this now young um mm -hmm. you know young boys and girls about bicycling about going to the park, about moving around in our open space for recreation or using public transit. You know, there's a fear that we, that has to come along with that conversation now. And this is 2020. 
you right. know, and so I, I, and I know you're in this in terms of the work that you're doing at the shop. And I, I again, want to tap into that. But before we do that, based on your experience and then coming here to LA and then becoming a semi Ironman through the process um, of all this riding that you're doing, um, some, what, what, what made the connection to you to Antioch to, to go and, and, you know, move into this space now of social and environmental justice, because as I'm doing the history on African-Americans on bikes, um, I did a presentation in August, you know, in each of their stories, there's someone that has followed you or been connected in your life to even expose you to and, and expose our ancestors at this point to bicycling. So, you know, right. you look for what those, what, what are those links, for instance, that introduced Major Taylor to bicycling. Well, his dad worked, um, was um, kind of like, uh, not a butler, but someone that pretty much served a, a well-to-do family. And these mm -hmm. people were supposedly nice and they kind of adopted Major Taylor as one of their sons because they had a son. And right. that was how he was exposed to a bike. They bought him a bike because Major right. Taylor's family was, um, was very poor. And so, right. you know, their family wouldn't have been able to get the kind of bike this family gave them. So for you, what was your connection in coming to LA that connected you to this social justice movement and academic program at Antioch? Um, so I think the bike I got on because it, it was the most, you know, having experienced riding before, it was the most convenient thing for me to do and less, least expensive. Uh, the connection with social justice, though, was just through the coursework, right? Um, and then talking about my experiences as a Black person in America, um, I didn't have any of, you know, like racism existed in Boston. I, I left the job because one of the managers called another worker a nigger huh. at Oops. the job site. And I was like, yeah. and that's around the time, you know what, I'm just going to go and take a vacation. I'm going to leave. And so when <laughs> I left, I literally just like, because it didn't happen on my shift. Yeah. It didn't happen when I was there, but that was the talk. And then, you know, ACLU and the WACP, all those people are coming now, like interviewing people. Oh, wow. I'm like, yo, uh -huh. I'm out of here. I, ain't, I don't have time <laughs> for this. And, and mind you, I had just come back really from traveling the world. So like my worldview has, complete, has, has completely shifted huh. at this point. Okay, right? okay. I just, I, just, um, I had, um, stopped in Hawaii, I was in Japan, I was in Hong Kong, but I spent majority of my time in mainland China studying wow. and studying martial arts. And then I left there and I liked Hong Kong. So I stayed for, uh, for a few more months in Hong Kong, right? So um, when I come wow. back, the whole world isn't the same to me anymore. The people that I'm hanging out with every day, I can't even hang out with you right now because my whole, there's a whole shift that happened. Right. Transformation and, was starting to happen already. Right. Yeah. right. And so I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to go to L.A. and visit L.A. Because the person I came to visit in L.A., I actually met in Hong Kong. Right. Whoa. And so I'm staying in Santa Monica, you know, so hanging out. And eventually I stayed two years before I ever went back to Boston on a wow. two week vacation. So I, wow. I basically quit the job. Right. And yeah, so was your family I, worried about you doing it? I mean, like, what, what's going on with that day? Why is he, or Eric, why is he, this it doesn't make any sense. My, my family knows me. I'm like, this is like, <laughs> like I, I, you know, it's like, but even when I was in Boston, I'd stay home and I'd just go to like, I'd go to New York or New Jersey or someplace out and be, like, be gone for like three, four days, you know, okay. because at the time, so during my teenage years, junior year and high school years, um, I was competing in martial art tournaments. So wow. it was nothing for me to like go to New York for the weekend and, you know, go to Connecticut or, you know, just like travel around. So, and, you know, I just get up and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. And when are you coming <laughs> really? back? Oh, I don't know yet. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> okay. So they kind of okay. got used to me. And I, like, but that was your okay. style. Yeah. Yeah. It was my and thing. Two years was and kind of, yeah, that, that, you really stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I got into the program, Antioch, it was it was really um, in talking about all the social construct and the um, and the systematic racism that happens, um, you know, that it was just like, yo, and I'm experiencing this. Oh, I'm really experiencing this like every day on a bicycle. 
And so, but mind you, this was not the business I was going to get into. This get opening up a bike shop was far from my purview. I wanted to travel the world, continue to travel the world doing community development work. Right. Huh. Um, wow. And, you know, as I'm riding my bike, though, I needed to fix my bike. I go to the bike wave, which is eight miles from where I was living to okay. fix my bike, you know, and uh, I'm like, yo, this is ridiculous. We need a place like this here. So I would talk to the other guys that I knew that rode bikes and be like, yo, we need to open up a co-op. Everybody agreed, but nobody was moving on it. But, and I didn't want to move on it because <laughs> I'm trying to like leave the country and go. Oh, you're trying you know, to figure travel. out where the next excursion is. Right, exactly. Yeah, and you couldn't like you have a, a moving bike co-op, you know, right. in the process. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so when I started doing these pop-up repair clinics in Lamert Park and inviting people to come fix, you know, get their bikes fixed for free, it was just, you know, to help start that. that process. But I was trying to get that process started and leave. I see. You know, I just wanted it started and get people going with it. And then I wanted to leave because I wanted to go travel. I wanted to go back to Cameroon. I wanted to go to Nigeria. There's a lot of countries I want to go to. Ah, and, um, that's my mother country. Did you know? I just found out. Yes, Cameroon. Cameroon? Yes, Yo, I did Cam uh, AfricanAncestry.com. And through my maternal lineage, uh, that's where my grand, the grand, you wow. know, mother uh, is from on my mother's side. And the, um, is it the Baikal Island, which is okay. right off of Cameroon. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Nice. Yes. You really should go visit. It's, uh, it's, I am. it's yes. a beautiful, beautiful place. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I was, I was in Cameroon as well, back, way back oh. in the 70s. Oh, okay, what part? Well, Duande, and then I went up into the mountain for a while. It was all oh yeah. It was raining up in there, so I didn't stay very long. I spent I spent the night under a fallen huge fallen tree. I don't know what the name of it was. And when I woke up, ants were all circling around me. I'll never forget it. And they didn't touch me. But uh, and then I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back down. Um, you know, but it was a, it was gorgeous, uh, rain, you know, rainforest type, uh, yeah. tree. And I, yeah. I was there after, you know, EDM, well, EDM was in Uganda. So you can imagine right. the whole atmosphere, you know, in many other countries nearby. I mean, Uganda is not that far away, but, um, I, I traveled across Africa, for, you know, but anyway, okay. that's cool yeah. you guys are, you're from, or you're from there, Yolanda. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's a lot of work that has to be done now. You know, I know that part. I no longer have to say, um, I know I have family from Africa, but I have no idea where because it's, you know, my family lineage um, or my mom and my dad um, had no idea. So to do this um, definitely was um, monumental. But the conversation is not on me. It is on our day. So we're well, going to move yeah, back. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so you, you wanted to travel. You were in conversation with um, the bike, microwave and other folks. Yeah. I know Don, um, Donald right. Strauss at Antioch was also, and I know you and I were even having yeah. conversations and, um, and then you, and now here you are, um, is it what three years later? Yeah, is three it, four yes. years later. And we're at the shop. Yes, right on bike co-op. Is it bike shop it's, and co-op? It's, it's a it, yeah, it's a bike shop. And work on co-op. Yes, I, and, I wanted to. Uh -huh, I initially tried to start uh, to really kind of like duplicate what Bike Wave was doing. I really like what they were doing, um, but it just wasn't working over here, and mm -hmm. there was a lot of education that needed to take place. But I had already gotten into the space because I was trying to get the space. Uh, the previous proprietor of the of the shop um, had a fabric store, and I wanted to, for him to let me allow me to put my tools in the shop. So when I we we did the pop up repair clinics, that I wouldn't have to lug things back and forth. Yes. And, and, and as we got into conversation, his health was he was having an issue with his health, and um, he needed help with the rent. And when I fit, learned all that, I was like, yo, I'll help. I'll take care of it. I didn't have a job. I didn't even have a place to stay, really. I was just like couch kind of surfing. 
You know, it's right, like I didn't right. have a home home, right? Um, correct, correct. I was staying with folks. Um, but I was like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take it on. And then when I went back to the folks that I knew about the space, it was pretty much crickets. So I was huh. like, well, I already made a commitment, so I'm going to do this thing anyway. So I, and I started driving Uber to pay the rent in the space. Yeah, I remember that. And, and so that's how we started. And uh, also, luckily, because of the work that I was doing with um, different community-based organizations, um, Danny Gamboa called me up one day. He was like, hey, um, I have access to like 50 bikes, but I don't have a place for them. I know you got a shop. Would you like to get 50 bikes? Hmm. Yes, I would like to get 50 bikes. So I went to the University of Irvine when he arranged it and um, I was able to get 50 bikes uh, from U University of Irvine, which started the repair business because I repaired those bikes and resold them at a, at a reasonable price to folks. And then I had also gotten an account with Pure Cycles um, to, to sell bikes. And, and, and that's how I was able to start. And now we have a few more, uh, we have Giant, Rally and Diamondback, some of yeah own. yeah i mean it's very it's amazing it's uplifting when i look at your website you know and i know where you came from like right. all of us and, the, and what you had to to go through to kind of hold on and those question marks that are there in terms of what am i doing does this right. make sense and i know i know you know there's so many questions um i have and i'm sure even the listeners have but i really i think i'm going to just have to Fast forward because it's already 741 and I really mm -hmm. want you to speak on why should and what is the benefit of a black man having a bike shop, you know, in America. I mean, and, and, and let's talk about economics. Let's talk about, you know, just from your training that we do know um, co-ops and um, let's talk about sustaining, having a sustaining you know, role and position in a space. I'm asking a lot, so you can just pick up on this, but you're, you know, right. you are in Lamert Park that has Metro coming in, a lot of gentrification happening, a lot of right. conflict happening with the mall right down the street, which is a place that for me is, is home when you speak of home. So, you know, right. this space is home to many people and, and, and to many black lives in particular, you know, this is where we grew up. This is where we moved around. This is where we looked out for each other. We ate, you know, we partied, everything. Right. And so, and now everything's kind of up for grabs. So I'd like for you to really talk about the power of what you're doing and how, you know, how your company needs to grow and also make that connection to the co-op concept. Right, so um, for me, it was really important to be in Lamert Park. I have been coming to Lamert Park practically since I've been in LA, since the uh, early nineties. And to participate in the beauty, the art, the music, you know, it's, it's a lot of culture and creativity in Lamert Park. So I'm blessed and fortunate to have a shop here. And I wanted to be here and also to fight against uh, the gentrification that's happening, right? Because we have to claim space and we have to claim it and we have to name it. Um, yeah. And so that's what we're doing. I think that's what Damien and the folks at downtown Crenshaw are doing with regards to the mall, we really have to make that bold move. We, we have to do it, um, you know? And for me, uh, doing the co-op was, is, is very intentional. I, I tend to refer to myself as an anti-capitalist. You know, people mm -hmm. look at me strange when I say that and I have a business, but um, business has always existed. Uh, exchange has always happened. You have something I need, I'll pay for it. And you know, there's an exchange, but I think of uh, this uh, capitalist system that we have now, this extreme capitalism isn't good for anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we're clearly seeing that. And so for me, I wanted to make a statement and I also wanted to be like, to propose a different way of doing business to the community which is why it's a worker on co-op. It's like, look, there's so many different ways we can approach this. Um, and this is one of them, which one mm -hmm. I think that works. And um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're reaching out to folks and we got to do some more reach out because we need to get more black people in, in the cycling industry, right? And at all levels, mm -hmm. you know, and the mechan and more mechanics need to be people of color, right? Um, mm -hmm. In the sport area, you know, in the shop, this shop is the first, bicycle shop in Lamert Park in over 30 years. 
right? The wow. last one was over by the mall at Mountain Square, right? Um, oh, well, you know what? There was I, also one um, where, where I hung out with and, and Lynn, you know, a city of bicycles that was on um, Right, that was Inglewood, right, Inglewood. in Inglewood. Yes. Which was, which is a, what, like three, four miles from here. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so, Very but when powerful. you look at, you look at the West side, it was just main street. It was like five, six bike shops, like yeah. right next to each other. Practically you can trip and fall on one, you know, Correct. It, 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 it's kind of like that. So, um, but for the South LA area, you, we still lack in, um, of those and that's there are some accounts and I think it's because we're at the location that we're at and probably because I'm a black owned bike shop that yeah. we haven't been able to get certain accounts you know yeah. it's like crickets when I reach out to them you Correct. know so I don't know what it is they're not saying what it is but you know I've been well, around for a while is. so <laughs> exactly right same old same old you know exactly Exactly. Uh, it's like Major Taylor was the, which you have now, this amazing mural uh, painted outside of your shop. And you can imagine here he is the world champion uh, right. of track cycling, um, phenomenal speeds and strategies to avoid getting knocked over on his bike when he passed his teammates. Right. Um, and that's how it's always running. It's always avoiding in order to simply just be and, and participate in a, a sport or in having a business. Um, and so right. I, we definitely have to rise above that. And so yet that answers my question for me of why a black man needs to have um, a co-op and more. You know, um, right. in terms of you are a role model, number one, that can introduce bicycling to other young people and older folks in terms of bicycling um, because they don't see that. That's not common. You know, right. like you said, you can go on Main Street in Santa Monica or you can go to Playa Vista or to um, El Segundo, you know, to all the bike shops. But then how will you be treated? That's the other thing. When you go inside, if you right. don't ask like, the right questions, I mean, it might be a little better now, but I know just some years ago, if you didn't go in talking knowledgeable about what it is that you want, which, you know, could be the case beyond just bikes, um, you can look, you can be looked down upon. So in terms of uh, right. black lives and we're saying, hey, you know, let's get on bikes, you know, let's make this a part of our lifestyle. Well, there's a fear of not even knowing like the right questions to ask when you go in a bike shop. And I right. think you, I've, I've heard that people are very comfortable and, and when they come to your bike shop and have black folks in particular and have conversations, they're like, God, I, they really worked with me and, you know. Right. You know, I had somebody the other day just uh, say that he came by for something we didn't have because um, supply chain right now is really messed up. There's a lot of things we can't get. And so right. we was just talking about his bike. And so he was asking me and, you know, I ran down the whole thing for him about the sizing of bikes. How do you do that? How do you, you know? And he was like, man, nobody's ever talked to me like you guys are talking to me right now mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. a bike. They make me feel like I'm like an idiot. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, there you go. But, right. And so for me, it's important. You know, it's always about education. For me, it's about uh, sharing information and knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's about serving. And, and interestingly enough, mm -hmm. I have to count how many times I've been in a bike shop. I have not spent a lot of time in bike shops. Okay. Um, you know, I think the most time I spent around bikes is probably at microwave, microwave. Yeah. Um, and then I built the bike at the bicycle kitchen, right? Oh, um, but okay. those two places. But as far as bike shops are concerned, I couldn't tell you what the culture is. You know, it's like I've probably gone in there to get a tube where I couldn't get in any place else. It was the closest place to go. But um, you're right. I've never really felt comfortable going into a bike shop. I never thought about that before. I mean, the way you're saying it now, because I think when I think of bike shop, I think of City of Bicycles, and and it's right. been it's been it's been some years now since you know I've really kind of been in a bike shop, other than you know yours. Um, but City of Bicycle right. became my home. You know, right. it was like a home away from home because that's how much riding I was doing. But I think it also encouraged me to ride, actually. Right. I had a place to go we would hang out and again Lynn knows this we would hang out 
for hours at the bike shop with my kids who were very right. young at the time. So I think it also becomes kind of this social gathering to even get acquainted with bicycling more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and so, and, and that's the kind of space I want to create. I want to be able to have people say, it's like, oh, I like coming here. It's like, it's cool to hang out. And we have right. some teenagers that come through, you know, really working on making them feel comfortable, making sure that, you know, they get the stuff that they need and they know they can come here. It's like, if they're short on money, it's not going to be the end all. You know, you Correct. can still come through. Maybe you can come back and work it off, you know, something. But, you know, just building community is really what this space is really about. Yeah. So um, a couple other questions. Um, and then I definitely, you know, want you to put out there kind of since we're on this, what do you feel right on needs right now? What kind of help do you need for those folks that are genuine about stepping up um, and helping ride on um, to go to the next level in terms of anything? What are, what's your wish list these days? Uh, wish list? Yeah. investors so we can really make this okay. thing happen <laughs> okay um, yeah. but mm -hmm. yeah um but other than that i mean you know like the support is great we've you know we have some shirts that are uh, that we've been putting out they've been selling well that's one great way to support we also have um, some new helmets that we have um our logo on that we're selling right now we don't have any bikes so i can't say come on and purchase a bike but we're supposed to get bikes in september it's you have a waiting is list? It? Is it a waiting list right now? Yeah. Is that how it's handled? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, but there's other stuff that we that we're doing. You can come and get. We have a water bottle um that we just got with our brand on it. Um, you know, helmets with our brand on it and t-shirts. And um, yeah. And as we can, we're fixing bikes, but there's certain things that we can't do right now because supply chain again is um it's kind of messed up so we can't get certain supplies in right now and know? who are you working with right now in terms of your community-based um education work can you share some of that with us real quick um, are you doing stuff with metro um PMJ? no we're not, do uh -huh. we're not doing anything with metro right now i'm actually working on um some a couple of e-bike projects right mm -hmm. what's the brand the brand is uh right on bike shop and that's the logo. Nice. Um, and then we also have Fela Kuti holding up a bike. So if you know the history of Fela and the Afrobeat that he created and how socially active he was in uh, mm -hmm. addressing social ills in, in Nigeria, but what he was talking about is actually speaks to the world really mm -hmm. and wherever you're at. So, which is yeah. why I chose him as one of the people to put on the shirt to oh, hold nice. up a bike. Because I think okay. uh, the message. I have is, one of those. Is, is that the T-shirt I have with the? Yeah. The, yeah. The, holding up a bike. The man yeah. that's holding the bike up. Yeah, yeah. That's Fela Kuti. Oh, I think is that me. Fela Anikulapo Kuti, the creator of Afrobeat. Um, are we still on? I think there's something frozen. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm back. Yeah. I thought it was you, yeah. but it was me. <laughs> yeah. So is that the T-shirt I have? The one that he's holding the bike up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and my, uh, my last question for you, and then I'd like for you to share all of your contact information is, um, you know, we, you hear um, in our chat and in our narrative of Black Lives, we talk about joy. Um, mm -hmm. I've actually done some uh, all ongoing reading, you know, that pretty much started back with Antioch and before um, but in terms of belonging and, you know, there's mm -hmm. this concept of, uh, and construct of belonging in a place, our ecosystem and becoming a stranger. And I, I, I know that's kind of how I feel like in my neighborhood with all the uh, massive development coming in. Mm -hmm. So I think your space really does kind of, is kind of creating that space, that eco space of people feeling like they can belong as we, in this bicycle conversation, you know, that we're having. And in right. this, um, and also the, you know, I can see the power behind how you can connect that to so much from mobility justice to our climate crisis and how we have to educate our communities and our people about climate. And, and bicycling is one of those solutions, you know, um, but right. we have to find ways to be creative about that because while we have all these other movement leaders like Naomi Klein and 
one of our instructors, Gopal, Dayanetti, mm -hmm. you know, so many powerful folks, we still, there's still a major gap in terms of, right. you know, folks like, I don't have conversations about climate crisis. I mean, you know, it's raining and, you know, there's a hurricane, there's always been hurricanes. So, you know, I, I, I see your spot as uh, potentially being a hub for educating mm -hmm. on so much, but where, where does, where do you see black joy kind of coming out of the, what you're doing? Can you describe Man. kind of what black joy is coming out of ride on? Man, black joy is just it's like, we constantly have to create it. Right. And, um, just think we're here. We're, it's like 2020. We here. We've been right. here for like, uh, several centuries. Yeah. And the only reason we've been able to maintain through this horrendous, uh, enslavement process was by being able to create joy, right? Yeah. And I think awesome. a lot of folks haven't been able to understand that. It's like, oh, y'all are still able to smile, still yes, able to like create true. joy yes. and live and, and, and still be able to find joy. Yeah, we create it. We are very good at creating joy, yeah. um, even through this process. So um, on Sundays, you should see what this the front of the shop looks like. It's just like, it looks like a festival. And wow. I was telling a friend of mine the other day, that with Matt, is it a is, festival this, with mask a day? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you, 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 you have your outline, yes. you know, folks that's like, yeah, we don't believe it. It's like, but even yeah. with that, it's like COVID is nothing compared to what we've been through for the past 500 years, huh? Mm. You know, yeah, we've made it this far, COVID, correct? And, you know, so and that's what I see. Like on Sundays, it literally last Sunday, I was just like, like, yo, there's way too many people out here. It was <laughs> that many people. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe it. was like yeah. two to three DJ setups, people out here dancing, you know, living life and, and really enjoying uh, yes. each other, the company and the area and just like, you know, and so, and it's very intentional, right? It's, it's saying like, yeah, we know what's going on around us, but we, we are staking a claim. We are not leaving. We're not going to make this easy. Wow. You know, we're not just going to bite out and, and just scoot along and move so you can like spend all these. No, we, we're going to be here for it. So yes. I think it's really joy is like is is very, very important. Um, yes. You know, so I, I do things in the shop to actually uh, facilitate that. You know, I, mm -hmm. I like to say I wanted to have the shop here in Lamert Park because I wanted to contribute to the beauty that I see here in Lamert, Right. Yes. And um and part of that, I'm sandwiched between the world stage, which is next to me, and now Soul Folks, which you, before that it was Barbara Morrison's Jazz and Blues Museum. So music was always coming through my walls. It's amazing. It's music yes. always outside. And so music and art and, and is very important in this community. And um, and I DJ on Saturday. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be DJing outside in the alley. For I'm going to try to make it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to come back because of the uh, blues guitarist that was playing, you know, the oh, yeah. last, a couple of weekends ago when I saw right. you. And, right. um, and he was there this past weekend again, right? Yeah, yeah, he's here every Saturday now. Oh, he's there every Saturday? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I'll be back. Um, and yes, it's a, it's a beautiful energy. And even when I saw you, you know, my daughter, I needed, I had her with me and she needed to come home and take care of her bearded dragon. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna have to drop you off and go back. Cause the, the right. energy, it was healing and it was, right. and I can, and, and people were distancing themselves in terms of clusters. If you were, if it was right. you and your family, then right. everyone sat together in their little, you know, pods. Um, right. but I think it, it definitely was a beautiful thing. I was totally promoting it on Facebook, like the whole time I was there and, um, you know, and the shops, as you said, um, you have a new shop that's right next door to you, a clothing right. store with um, powerful messages. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I, you know, you know, I'm like one of your number one fans. Um, yep. You might not have seen me at the shop as much because I'm over here trying to figure out how to sustain too. But, um, right. you know, we that's about how we align and help each other. And the fact that yeah. just for folks that are listening, uh, Ade and I um, basically both um, are now colleagues out of Antioch, um, which is a social and environmental justice uh, master's program that's being now chaired by another one of our friends, and colleagues, um, Dr. Adonia Lugo, who works with us too. 
and in any possible way that she can help us. So um, I just want to definitely get the word out, Ade, on what you're doing. So for those that are listening tonight, and then this is a recorded um, podcast. So folks definitely, you know, share it with your friends and um, let's just keep this going. I know we have developers that are, you know, I'm looking at ways that as a vice president of a neighborhood council here at West Adams, that when we're talking to these developers, when you talk about um, sustainable and, and businesses and kind of this, um, this co-op uh, treatment, right. how could possibly your, you know, your vision and what you're doing there kind of spread throughout Los Angeles right. um, and with other bike leaders, um, black and brown lives. Um, so can you share your contact information with everybody so they know how to reach you and any other particular events you have coming up? Okay, um, right on bike shop uh, is uh, the webpage, right on bikeshop.com. Uh, social media is right on bike co-op on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, we're at 4319 Degnan Boulevard, Los Angeles, 9008. That's the address of the shop. And um, phone number for the shop is 323-903-5043. Uh, best way to get in touch, though, I would probably say is Instagram uh, DM. Um, but yeah. Yeah. You have any rides coming up? So, um, no, um, I don't have any rides coming up, but I'm working on two projects um, that's going to allow folks in the community to, um, to use e-bikes. So one project we're working on with Lacey and um, uh, e-bike company that's going to be... Um, using uh, having bikes available here that people can use to actually do um delivery work so if you oh. deliver if you do delivery you'd be able to like use the bike for that and um also rent to own the bike at, oh, at the price not double that not double the price of the bike um, put me on that list please <laughs> oh word and also the the other one that i'm working on um is a, a bike library that I'm working on with some folks that you know, actually. Oh Who's boy, that? is oh boy, oh boy. From, oh, uh, are you yeah. serious? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked yes, this week. Exactly. Oh, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bye. Yeah. 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 So, Very nice guy. Yeah. yeah. So we're working on a bike library program that's are you? going to be happening so here hear. soon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Are you going to have cargo bike today? Um, is it going to have cargo no. bikes in it? No, it's not going to have cargo bikes yet, but we're, we're working on that. The previous program we have is a, is a it's, it's not a cargo bike per se, but it's a heavy duty bike that you can actually use for deliveries. Nice. Well, definitely. I'll be talking to Obai on, um, I think we talked this week, but we're going to kind of have our weekly call-ins. And so I'm happy okay. he's already made that connection to yeah. you here in LA, the name of his company, which is, I'm still trying to it's, get it, but it's Equiticity. Equiticity, yes. Yes, yes. Okay, Equity well, thank, yes, I love yeah. it. I love it. So thank you again for joining us. And, um, you know, I'll be seeing you soon. I might see you actually tomorrow, right. tomorrow evening right. over with the music and the healing yep. uh, taking yeah. place. Um, thank, thank you, you so everybody much for, for yeah for sure and thanks everyone for listening and just respecting the space and Don and Nick again I always thank you for the opportunity um, to have uh, we the people Black Lives Rolling on Bike Talk. Thank you, thank you. That was that was amazing interview. You covered so much. You do so much. Yes, I do. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and and we still have a couple people, Marvin and Jennifer. Thanks for hanging out. Yes, yeah, for sure. I want to yeah. say I, I just met Ade recently because he's on our our Los Angeles yeah. Bicycle Advisory Committee. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, very cool. It's very cool. And he's CD9. So I'm definitely yeah. going to uh, publish this on our Facebook and website because oh, he's thank now Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. Right. I didn't oh, realize yeah. you're CD9. So you're like one block no. over from CD10? Or what? Yeah. Am I so getting? I'm, yeah. I'm, cov I'm covering all the districts. You are. <laughs> You're I, right I, at I, that intersection, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're well, really happy yeah. that you're I, on there, Ade. I yeah. now I'm I, happier, you know? Oh. Yeah. I live I oh. live in city I live in city eight. My shop is in city ten and current price 
accepted me as a, a <laughs> commissioner for, for CD9. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, yes. Yep. And, and that was the one that, that nobody was filling, right? For, yeah, yeah, for I don't know how many years. It was terrible. And I was always asking current price. And finally, yay, we got Ade. And, yes, and that's a, Carino, definitely a plus. Carino got him. Remember Carino Ade? Do you yeah. Yes, that? yeah, I remember Carino, yes. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that did it. So that's so awesome. So that is, it is. You know, and I think what's so cool about that, like you guys are saying, it's just that cross-platform, you know, of yep. experiences. Right. And so you're able... You're able to share, like with us, come back over here on this side and share with us on CD10, you know, things that you guys are doing and, and right. CD9, and then we can share with you what we're doing. So you kind of are that person now that we can yeah. cross. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know we can yeah. go on and on. Um, Nick and Don, do you guys have anything else you wanted to? Uh no, we're 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 good. I uh, I'm actually I, I don't know what happened to Don, but we're I'm good. Okay. Don fell asleep, or who knows? Yeah, yeah. Went <laughs> to get a martini no, or his sunglasses. He watched the liquor game. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. that is happening. Oh. Yeah, he posted on Facebook. He's watching the liquor game. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh cool. Okay. Well, thank you guys again. Um, I'm gonna thank chime you. off. Nice right. to see you, Yolanda. I think I saw you, you in Trust LA. Oh, really? Okay. I'm well, there, there's, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I actually, I did talk with Edgar, uh, the executive director for the first time uh, this week on some things. So there's so much going on. And I, when um, I was recruiting for CD9, I was down there. Oh, really? It was a couple of years ago. Okay. I, I, I recall you were there. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that probably was a couple years ago was the last time uh -huh. I was there. Um, I'm gonna jump off somebody's up the yeah, door. Yeah, me too. Okay, thank you, Thank you thank for you having guys. me. I in the morning and greet the day. Pull out the bike and I'm on my way. The transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal cleans the air. Green in the green, I'm saving the planet. Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 